Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1015. Uh, I'll be performing in September at the DC Improv. Uh, those dates are September 5, 6, 7, and then September 13, 14 at the Improv in Chicago. So if you, uh, I don't know, just Google those clubs. <laughs> I think we might have the ticket links up at ID10T.com slash tour, uh, where we are adding more products. Oh my gosh, you guys. There's some fun Rick and Morty stuff coming up and some fun horror-themed socks that I am a fan of and uh, some uh, the blood splatter pops. And so, uh, you know, ID10T.com. And uh, again, more stuff coming really soon. But let's talk about you, the ID10T community. Events at ID10T.com, like Amanda who writes, I just want to let you know about a great tabletop game that a cool dude in my quaint little city of Huntsville, Alabama has made. It's called Hedgelord. It's a competitive maze puzzle game where you have to get your character and beast companion through the maze while blocking, avoiding other characters and their beast companions. The game was designed and is built by Dustin Timbrook and some local artists, uh, buddies here in Huntsville. Follow Dustin on Instagram at Dustin Tim Brook. The link for his store is in the bio. There you can pre-order the copy of Hedgelord or buy some cool apparel. Keep in mind there is a waiting period for the game because he's making them by hand. Oh, I love it. All this by his little lonesome, uh, well, help from his totally rad wife when she's not at her day job. All right, thanks, Amanda. Also, Kristen writes, My name is Kristen Espinal, and I'm a comedian from New York City who's making a thing. My buddy Josh Cole and I host New Jump City, a podcast recapping and reviewing the week in manga and superhero comics. It's pretty much Cliff Notes with opinions. It's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mostly cover Marvel and DC Comics, but in the interest of building an awesome nerd community, we're open to reviewing indie comics as well. Anybody who listens to your show and is interested can submit their work to newjumpcitypod at gmail.com. This episode is uh, Judy Greer, who is a brilliant actor. I mean, and Judy's been in so many, so many amazing things that you've seen uh, before. I mean, some of the greatest comedy things of all time Judy Greer has has been involved in. And she has uh, a new movie out called Driven, 
which Lydia and I saw the other night, and it's great. It is uh, also Jason Sudeikis is in it and Lee Pace, and it's uh, it's about the John DeLorean um, situation and sort of the if you're familiar with the DeLorean uh, trial and the the entrapment case and everything, and it's 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 really well done. And that comes out Friday, August sixteenth. And then where'd you go, Bernadette? Uh, with which uh, an actress by the name of Kate Blanchett is in, who you may have heard of, and that's uh, in theaters also August 16th. So make it a Judy Greer weekend. In the old days, we'd make it a blockbuster night, but this weekend we're making it a Judy Greer night slash weekend. So all Judy Greer all this weekend, and uh, and she is hilarious and phenomenal on the podcast. Just someone that I've been such a huge fan of for years. And uh, just, you know, just comedy nerded over um, endlessly. So thanks, Judy Greer, for coming on the podcast, which is number 1015. And the thing starts rolling right now. Initiating ID10T protocol. Running around doing press all day? Yes. <laughs> what gave it away? Was it my giant car and my team of people and my beautiful outfit and my professional hair and makeup? It is- Not that I wouldn't have come to you like this, because I totally would have. <laughs> It is well. It's also very hot today, and you're wearing a jacket. It's for fall. Is it breathable? It's cotton, I think. Okay. Good, 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 good. What did they put in this item? I don't know. I don't. None of these clothes are mine. <laughs> it's polyester. Hundred percent not breathable. <laughs> so is it all sorts of TV press and radio press? And... It's like this. I'm doing the AV Club oh, and great. Corden. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Then I did a bunch of, like, phone interviews last week. Great. Which now I'm like, existing art, existing art, existing Got art. Got it. <laughs> Just as little yeah. as possible. Like, why, when you're aging, would you ever want to do photo shoots again? Like, you're like... <laughs> Before, I'm like, I need more art. Like, we need more pictures. Now I'm like, just use the old stuff. <laughs> so your advice to people is just stockpile yeah. as Get much Get a ton of, of pictures of yourself, like, in your 20s and 30s, and then stop. And then... <laughs> Never. And then just have them use existing art. And then just refuse. Yeah. And then you could be, like, 90 years old and be like, just fuck, I don't care. Yeah. I can use the... That's the plan. I heard that, um, like, when you die and they do your Academy Award, like, if you're in the Academy and they do that yeah. thing... Yeah. That they use, like, the most recent picture of you. And I'm like, that is bullshit, man. Like, <laughs> you should be able to pick the picture that, like, you want your dead your dead person picture to be. That is a great idea. All Academy members on their account should have a death picture yeah. that they can upload. The death picture. That's a right. great This idea. is my death picture. Yeah. Um, I'm an Academy member. This is my death picture. And this is the one I want used. You have to honor that. Yeah. You have to. I pay they, a due. Because you don't know. Do they... So they is it just they don't want to deal with publicists or whatever? So they're like, we don't care. We're just going to use whatever the most recent thing we find you is. You know, I haven't done a deep dive into why they choose the pictures that they do, but... <laughs> When I get some free time, I am going to look into that. Or we should start a company that's okay. basically like, it's it's sort of like, um, 
death image insurance yes. for performers. Yeah. So once you die, we'll make sure that it your could, social media is yeah. handled, and then it we'll make sure all It could be, like, for all, like, recognizable figures. Like, we could even have, like, kings and queens and, like, part people, like, in the royal family, even though they probably want to handle that themselves. Like, they might want to have, like a, like, a U.S. version of it. Yeah. You know? I can't think of any worse... It's so funny how obsessed with princesses and royalty our culture is. Yeah. Because it's being that sounds like the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it does. It seems like, yeah, like you just can't win. But then I don't understand, like, what is their day like? Like, like, what do they do? Do they just like, what do you do all day if you're a princess? I don't know. I think you attend things and right? you have to go out and make appearances. But the crazy thing is that if you wear... One even slightly weird top. It's a fucking news story. I know. And it's like slap in the face to the queen. She hates purple. And yeah. Meghan Markle wore purple. Like, yeah. What, the fuck? what is this? But then does that mean she can't? Like, it must be weird for, like, Meghan specifically. Just because she was, like, a regular person. Right. So, like, she can't go to Target anymore. <laughs> like, it all, no, for me, boils to down to Target. <laughs> and, like, how famous are you? Can you go to Target? Have I you passed the Target threshold? No, I could definitely go to Target. No one cares about me. I can too. I can go I to Target. I stopped going to Target because they stopped serving popcorn there, and that was the main draw for me. What? Was yeah, they don't serve popcorn anymore. Why? Like, there's nothing better than like having a day off, going to Target like around noon. Yep. Maybe if you partake in legal weed, you <laughs> might have done that, and then like maybe you might get popcorn and you might strap it into your cart and walk around Target. I think it'd be really funny if you leave Target (laughs) with an empty cart and then just the popcorn's empty. Eating popcorn and looking at all the things in Target and then leaving. Oh, I could use a shower caddy, but I'm not going to. I don't feel like buying anything today. (laughs) What? I mean, has anyone ever in the history of Target walked out without buying something at Target? No, I don't think so. It's not possible. There's just too many impulse buy snare traps. The only thing that could happen, I think, because I've thought about this, is that you go to return things that you did buy and you force yourself to walk out without buying something. But I don't think that counts because you're returning a thing that you bought. I feel like I would need to put on like horse blinders (laughs) to not see anything (laughs) in my peripheral vision would be the safest way to walk through to walk through a target. Yeah. Horse blinders. Yes. Because they have, like, there's great tech stuff there. I'm not going to lie. They've got some good clothes at Target, some good T-shirts. Oh, yeah, 100%. I might need some four-color pens on the way out and sure. some dog snacks. Maybe some greenies that I wasn't I aware of. That a I... lot of thank you notes and, like, you know, <laughs> stock up on cleaning products and all that stuff. I mean, I really am all in. I, I do it. think, though, the best place to be in the business is working regularly, but uh-huh. still able to go to Target. That's, I, I know. I, I, do think that is the, I do think that's the best case scenario. I remember once, I forget when, I was talking to Jennifer Garner and she was like, oh, God, I'd love to go to Target. I was like, dude, you of all people would love Target. Like, Target would be like your jam. Like, this was years ago. I'm hoping she spent. But, like, she said she went, like, one time and it was a magical wonderland. And then, and then so then when the paparazzi show up, show up do they, does she get cool points for shopping at Target? Or are they like, Jennifer Garner shopping at Target? I mean, I don't think she, well, I don't know if she's been recently. But at the time, she had only been once and it was a bummer for her that she couldn't go back. It is or a, she, you know, she can. It's not like you can't. It's just that, like, how much do you want to deal with when you're, like, 
going to buy diapers and like some you know socks and like a new sports bra yeah exactly exactly and then like seven other random things like you just said like oh thank you notes like oh my god they have stickers here <laughs> maybe they should just build a target for like super famous just oh like, god, like person target <laughs> <laughs> One like like in Malibu, like it, or like at the Country Mart, there's like a Target pop up. There could only be ten people in yes, it at a time. Yes. There's a velvet rope outside. Yes, and- I remember once there was a children's bookstore. Do you remember news newsroom that cafe on Robertson? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there was a children's bookstore across the street from it, and um, and one time Prince went there, <gasps> and they like closed the store so that Prince could shop for. Did they think he was just a really precocious child? Like, why is this? Why is this kid all <laughs> like, in purple? We have, to, we have to watch this one. Um, I just thought that was so cool. That's adorable. Like, oh, yeah, that makes me happy. I want to hear more weird, almost mythological stories about Prince like that. But just like, but yes. that kind of like regular guy Prince, not the crazy, yeah. you know, man god. Yeah. But just the dude who just wants to go to like have like a buy some like kids books and like the like teriyaki salmon at like. <laughs> Which was really good. And Did they close the newsroom? It's something else. I drove by it the other day, and it was something else. But I was like, ugh, that salmon they had there was so good. Yeah, well, n- nothing good. You know, like Los Angeles ruins everything good. Why do we do that? I don't know. Because I think at the base of it, the entertainment business can't have nice things. <laughs> We can't be trusted with them. We just can't be trusted with them. And anything or good. old things. Or exactly. We can't have nice things or old things. No, those two. Well, vintage. We could say vintage. Okay. Yeah, we could say we could say vintage. Are you a vintage person at all? Or yeah, you, you are. Yeah, I like that kind of thing. I mean, I've whenever I go on the road to do comedy, I always find like local vintage places. Oh, a hundred percent. When you're like, I'm usually around like three, like number three on the call sheet, or see like. The call sheet, you know. Yeah. So, like, number one and two and three, those are, like, the bigger roles. So, when you're, like, four and down, like, that's when you have a lot of days off on location. <laughs> and that's when you do a lot of antiquing <laughs> and a lot of vintage shopping. And then, like, like number one and two on the call sheet are all, like, what did you do yesterday? Like, where did you go? Like, where did you eat? Because they never really get to experience these places. That doesn't sound fun to me. It's not. Trust me. I love being four and above because you can, like I said, like I can go antiquing. I can go thrifting. I have such a kick-ass collection of old Levi's jeans because like in all the Carolinas I've worked at, like mm-hmm. everyone, there's good stuff. I had to limit my antiquing because my husband was like, it's getting crazy. Mm-hmm. Like we, so I, I, I started collecting snails. Amazing. Which made it easier because then it was like when you walk into an antique store and you're like, I could buy all this stuff. Like, it's so inexpensive. Mm -hmm. Then you're just like, okay, but I'm only going to buy. Give me them snails. Snails or a brass animal, like a small brass animal. I will make an exception for that. But um, that helped a lot because I was like shipping back like mirrors and lamps and rugs and just like all. He's like, I don't know what, I don't know where you think we live and like how much room you think we have and so much in storage. But I'm like, but it's such a good deal. I know. I just did that. I was just in Raleigh, North Carolina. And mm-hmm. I, I went to a, this sort of like row of warehouse antique vendors. Oh, a dream. It, it was because it, it looked from the from the road, it looked like, just like this burned out warehouse, but when you drove in, 
inside. And yeah. some of the some of the stalls were literally condemned by the city. <laughs> but then the rest of them were these amazing. Oh yeah. And I like bought this really cool chair and disassembled it and fr- FedExed it back. Yeah, I know. It's people and I've asked. I've had like in uh, where was I in Shreveport, Louisiana? There were these two great lamps, and I was like, hey, can you guys ship these back for me? And they're like, well, you know, we never done that before, but we'll. Yeah, I think we can do that. I'm like, great. I mean, and they, they like, they were so proud of them. Like, the guy was like, we figured it out. We found a place. We're going to do it. It's going to cost like $25, though. I'm like, where are you shipping from? Because I'm only shipping from there from now on. Like, yeah, I'll send thing. things to Shreveport to ship from wherever you're shipping from because that is nothing. I just, I feel like, you know, you go to these places and they're just. These hidden gems. Yes. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. This, you know, Victorian chair is going to run you $120. And you're know. like, okay, I guess I'll yeah. be taken advantage of in this way. And then secretly you're like, this would cost $1,200. I know. I mean, we could make such a killing if we had a store here. I'm always like texting pictures to my friend who owns a store. Like, do you want this? Like, it's $10. Like, it's like <laughs> beautiful cloisonne ashtray. Like, uh, like, yeah, bring it. Give it. Like, I feel like this is a, and I would enjoy doing it. Although once something becomes your job, then it's like, then it's no fun anymore. Yeah. Then it becomes. But I a do. Chart. I do never. I never haggle with people when it's like that kind of. Yeah, exactly. Because Be- I feel like an ass. Yes, because you. First of all, you're really only going to save like five or twelve dollars. I know. And second of all, it's like you know, like that money means something to them. That's their business, and it keeps them going. So yeah, I don't. I don't. And here, I feel like that's bad. It's in bad taste. But then sometimes you can tell people kind of want to. But I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm I'll- not. Not doing it. I'll only do it if I'm buying a bunch of stuff and just say, like, can I get some sort of group pricing on this? But not for, like, I'm not going to nickel and dime some local antique vendor when the prices are already insanely, insanely low. There was one place, I was shooting a movie in Hamilton, New York, and there I looked up, like, what to do on the weekend, and there was, like, a big antiques fair, like a fairground, Mm -hmm. but it was inside because it was winter, thank God. So I somehow finagled a ride to the place because I didn't have a rental car and it was in Rochester so it was like an hour I got a ride from one of the producers who was going to like shoot pool in a pool hall or something and I like shopped all day and then I was like I'll just grab a taxi and like meet you wherever you are producer man and there was no there was no cabs there was no way to get out it was getting dark and I'm like standing by the entrance in Rochester New York of this like super random fairground and I have like my you know my things I've purchased with me and and this woman and her mom pull over and they're like aren't you Judy Greer aren't you from Arrested Development I'm like yes I am they're like what are you doing I'm like I'm trying to get a ride anywhere like I I need to go to this pool hall here's the address she was like we'll take you I'm like awesome and I totally got in the car with her and her mom and they drove me to this pool hall where my producer was shooting pools Well, you're very, first of all, very lucky. (laughs) You never know the famous mother-daughter celebrity serial hunters. You know, I was like, this is sexist, but I would not have done it with a man. Well, of course not. (laughs) I know, but like... I wouldn't have either. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) But like, doesn't that mean I shouldn't also do it with like a woman? No, with a mother and daughter. And, And also, you, you know, you have an internal... Like, I'm sure your subconscious brain assessed the entire situation. Yeah. They had a horse. Uh, what do you call it? What You sit on it and ride. A on, carriage? No, a, uh, a 
a saddle? Yes, they had a saddle in the bag, which also I was like, they like animals. I call it a horse chair. You can call it whatever you want. You guys get these horse I chairs. I the... remember the word saddle. <laughs> Why would myself. you need to, though? It's just like your brain. Listen, your brain only has so much RAM. There's some parts it's going to look. It's going to get know. a list of words like, how often do you saddle? Rarely. No. Throw it in Unless I'm thinking the that I'm like, like saddled with stress or like all these yeah. like things to do. But like, no, they had the saddle in the back of their Volvo wagon. Also, a Volvo. I felt like I was in good hands. You were, and, and, it, and it all worked out fine. It did. I made it to the pool hall. Also kind of weird. And, have, and they're like, are you sure this is like the right place? And it was in a sketchy place as well. I'm like, yeah, no, that's. That's it. Chad's in there, so I'll just get out. No one's ever going to believe that story. We met Judy Greer at the <laughs> fairground. She had a bunch of antiques, and we dropped her to pool hall. You're lying. I know. That it would happen. <laughs> that happened a few years ago. The um, I I saw that you had written a book, uh, and uh, and was it an essay or a series of essays? Yeah, it was similar about the thing of being yeah. fourth on the call sheet. Like, and it had a great name. Like, I don't know. What I, I don't you... know what you know me from. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Confessions of a Co-Star. That is my book because that is my life. Well, because you can't... Whenever someone says, what do I know you from? It's like, I, I understand the intention behind it, but it's like, now I'm going to list my resume and you're going to say no to everything. Oh my God. And it's never ending. And like, <laughs> my resume, I mean. <laughs> no, like, I, like, hence the book. Um, I like, it goes on and like, and they get, I wrote in my book about how there's this moment where at first everyone's excited because they like spotted a celebrity and I knew it, but like now they don't know what you're from. And then you have to tell them all the things. Mm-hmm. And then it gets awkward because they don't know any of them, and they start to get like mad at you, like you're not able to like <laughs> you're not, you're not prove them yourself yeah. to them. The whole thing is so awkward and like annoying, and yeah, I I try really hard to be super nice because I'm from the Midwest and I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but right. at the same time, I'm like. It would be easy to be a real dick because, like, you could just be like, "That's listen to what you're asking this yeah. person. Like, what do I? How would I know? How do I know what you watch? How do I know what you like? Anyway, I don't live in your head. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. TV. Yeah, so people Movies? say, "Oh, are you on TV?" I just go sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. And then I yeah. hope that that sort of kicks. Oh. Because it is, it doesn't matter how many things you list, it's never the thing. No, it's never. One guy, this one was like, this was a, oh, Customs, the guy at Customs was like holding my passport to come back in the United States. And he was like, I'm not handing you this till you tell me what. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not legal. Like, that feels like extortion or something. But like, I couldn't for the life of me, this guy, like nothing, nothing. And then finally I was like, well, clearly you don't have, you don't use any media at all. Like, right. like nothing, not even sports. And he's like, I watch sports. I'm like, great. <laughs> I was in a sprint commercial with a hamster, and he's like, that's it! And I was like, give me my passport! (laughs) We were entering the UK from France over in May. We've been in Italy, and then we went to France. And uh, we were at the train station getting ready to go on the channel, and this British uh, customs agent or, Mm -hmm. you know, immigration agent... Was like, oh, what, what, what do you do? And I go, oh, I work on television. What, what, what have I seen you in? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I work on this show. I do the show called Talking Dead. It's after The Walking Dead. He was like, oh, I quit watching that a couple seasons ago. Right. And then he started to get upset. Like, I thought I was going to get led into the country because he was no longer a fan of The Walking Dead. And I was yes. associated yes. with the show. And because he was like, 
it was that sort of I couldn't tell if it was dry British humor and he's like so it's your fault then that the shows I'm like I don't I yeah. just host the and I yes. find myself like defending my job and defending The Walking Dead I know and now you're like put in this weird position where you're like I don't actually care that much but like now I have to like I'm the ass if I yeah I don't like prove to them because like, they can arrest you for any reason anything they can just like detain you if they feel like it they and can so, just decide and if you've seen those people sitting in those couches behind the glass wall at the airport like that is not not where you want to be. This person ruined Game of Thrones. This yeah, person, yeah, it's just like I know, I know. I'm sorry I got killed in that movie. Like, I'm sorry I was your favorite character and they killed me. Like, I apologize. Because you know, as a performer, I'm involved in all of these meetings, right? And yes. I get to decide. I have final say on the script and casting, and like, why do they make that guy your husband? Like. Hmm. You know the la- the first question I always ask is how is is there a way to make this piss off a customs agent? And right. if there is, we yeah. should implement it yes. because I want to make it very yeah. challenging to get when into I'm other traveling, countries and back home. Because traveling isn't a pain in the ass enough. <laughs> um, I yeah, like or the uh, do you? Well, I always got to, and thankfully not as much anymore. Like, how come you don't want to be the lead? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like, because, like <laughs> you know, I've thought a lot about it. And I've compared paychecks and, like, lifestyle and just, like, freedom to choose roles and who I work with and, like, stretching myself as an artist. And I decided, no, I don't want to be the lead. I yeah. always want to support, uh, like, what? And it's also helped me foster a lot of awkward conversations yeah, that I had wanted to have before. totally. Like, if I was the lead, I wouldn't be talking to you. I would already be through this line. They would have whisked me to the front. I'd be at, su- yes. I'd be at Famous Target. I totally. Wouldn't be, I, wouldn't I would be at, be at the right. Famous Target at the Brentwood country market um it's so funny because it is i know people's intention is to say like i know hey i care about you and i think this is but it's the same as when people go uh hey uh do you not feel good because you look kind of sick are you okay no one that doesn't no one has ever benefited from that question from a stranger i know i think like that or uh why you're so pretty in person <laughs> like, thank you. Oh, th- thanks. Thank you so much. I did once. I mean, I've had people say, like, why did like you let them make you look so ugly? <laughs> or like, what? I'm like, I didn't think I did. Like, people like, don't do that. Yeah, you know, like I just, I, it's I, a girl I, thing, probably. I think it's a TV thing. Oh. I think when you're on TV, you know, you're in people's. I mean, you you're know, smaller. And used to be. TV, I think TV people are more approachable because because yes. we, we play like t, you know especially you're, if you do a lot of comedy you you you're very approachable you do yeah. you play a lot yeah. of people a lot of different people and people just feel like they know you I know so they can say to you like oh what's like yeah what? you're actually like an attractive person <laughs> and then you and inside you I'm just like, feel like oh, I'm, I'm gonna go recover from that I know I didn't think you'd be tall which isn't that bad but I'm like yeah. <laughs> I, the one class I took in college that wasn't related to acting was a media class. So I guess it kind of was. But, like, it wasn't in the acting school. And that was, like, the weird thing I learned I remember so specifically about, like, the difference between television and movies. And I was just a college kid. I didn't even think I would be an actor at this point. But I was, like, that they said that, like, the people in your living room, it's totally different when they're in your living room. Then when you see them like seven times as big as they're supposed to be on a giant movie screen. Mm-hmm. And like now things are changing because we all have like screening rooms and giant televisions and like people just like don't go to the movies as much as they used to. Right. Um, but uh, but I thought that was like really interesting because it's true. Like you see a movie star, you're like, oh, my God. Right. But you see like, you know, David Schwimmer and you're like, oh, my God. 
God! <laughs> like, I mean, I love Dave, so I'm like, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you do see the people as being more familiar. Yeah. But I also think that, again, I think the intentions are always good. It's like yes. th- no one intends to Unless you you're a- responsible for the downfall of The Walking Dead, in which case. That's right. As the person who hosts the after show, <laughs> who is really not involved in right. any of those high-level meetings. Right. But, you know, you, you'll take responsibility for it because you're the closest yeah. thing that they have to it. Yeah. Uh, the good news is we did make it into England. Um, but I never got a wink from the guy. Like, oh, I was just fucking around. Like, it no. really, it, oh. it, I couldn't tell. You know, there is that line of British humor where it's like, Dry or real? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows where this is going to go? It could be peaches. Could it be could. Be, we just, like, just <laughs> you don't know. We just don't know. <laughs> Did you specifically study comedy? No, were... I didn't study comedy because your timing is flawless. I don't know why. I don't know where that's from. But my parents will both tell you it's from them. I don't totally agree with that and can say that because I don't think they know what a podcast is. So That's right. They're not going to listen to right. it and challenge you. I just got them Netflix and they were like, I mean, they love it. I'm like, guys. There's a whole world yeah, out they, there. I said, you guys have Netflix? And they were like, no, we don't have it. I was like, well, I thought we got you a smart TV. They're like, yeah, but we don't have Netflix. I'm like, it should just be on the TV. That's why it's smart. Yeah. So I went and I like was visiting them in Ohio and there's the button that says Netflix like right on their thing so I pushed it and signed in and now they have Netflix and um, yeah we're talking about my awesome comedic timing though not my parents and their Netflix no. account but I don't know why I didn't study comedy I just studied acting regular old acting to be on the stage um, yeah I don't know that's just I don't know and your mom was a former nun she was a nun she loved the lord most of all and married him and then got a divorce from the lord and then married my dad and boy that's a she gets so that's an mad intense and ex-husband. Like, yeah but technically dad's really your second i mean let's be honest you did marry jesus first and she's like don't say that like it's true. There's a picture of you like face down on the floor in the church, dude. I mean, is it? How does one unnun themselves? Uh, I don't remember how she like legally. How do you legally divorce yourself from God? I, I know she just got asked to leave the convent by her mother's superior because they thought she was wild. What? No, she was like kind of a wild lady. Uh, my mom describes it that they said she would be better. To serve the Lord in a more secular environment. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess how that's happened. So she doesn't find, like, a divorce attorney. Uh, Not at the time, although, you know, the church is changing. And <laughs> they all need attorneys now, no matter what. So if you're, you're going to be Catholic these days, it's not a bad idea to just have a good attorney. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> because honestly, like... Who knows? Who knows? We all go to Mass with attorneys now, just in case. <laughs> just in case. You just see yeah. one of the crucifix Jesus' hands yeah. has, like, these papers in them. And it's like, okay, he touched them. Yeah, yeah. They've been, he's been served. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's been absolutely served. That's funny. And do your mom, does she sort of, does she ever talk fondly about it? Or is she like, yeah, you know, it was just a period of my life and it ended and, you know, whatever. She does. But like she, it's really sweet, actually. She talks about how, because she was in high school and then the, so she was there for eight years. So she did like her high school in the convent and then did the nunning thing and then was a nun for four years before she left. And then she says like, she doesn't feel, she never like heard a calling which is what you mm-hmm. hear she kind of i don't she, she did it out of personal reasons but sure. she felt like good because she said i gave my best years 
to the Lord, which I'm like, you're slutty as dear. This is like really what you're saying when you think about it, mom. And she's yeah, like, would have been eighteen to twenty-two, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so she, so she's always like, no, it was, it was a really good time. She, made, you know, she's still friends with a lot of her nunmates. Oh, that's so, nice. yes. So like, those are all still her really close girlfriends, and like, some of them stayed nuns and some didn't, and like, you know, they roll around and talk about the old days. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, and. Uh, and then she got to do what she always wanted to do her whole life was go to nursing school. Oh, that's yeah, because she, um, she was she. I, I hate tell, this story is so weird now, but she was shot. Her brother shot her by accident. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Look, the story was weird back then too. But... That is not of all the things I could have predicted. That was. Gonna come yeah so he shot her by accident sure of course yeah it happens she had to go does happen but we won't get into that no um, so she had to go to the hospital because she got shot like next to her heart and um, when she was in the hospital I think she was like 11 or something she like fell in love with all the nurses she was like the doctors like come and go like once a day but the nurses do everything and they took care of me and they were so great and then she just said I always wanted to be a nurse so when she came home from the convent and her dad was like what do you want to do she's like I want to go to nursing school and I know he can't afford it and he said I'll figure it out and he did that's amazing so she just wanted to serve people in some way yeah Uh, and nursing I mean nurses nursing should be a super high paid job because a regular day in a nurse's life would be the worst day of anyone else's yeah no one can do that what they what they see and what they go through yeah I mean she and she worked in all different parts of the hospital and she really loved it and then she kind of worked her way up within like the business world of hospitals but weirdly like she loved nursing so much so even when she was like a fancy hospital administrator she would like nurse on the weekends once one weekend a month like with this like agency like somewhere else because she's like I miss nursing and I love nursing and helping people and so she couldn't do it at her hospital obviously because she's like the boss but she would go to other places and nurse people and so how did this how did an ex-nun nurse affect (laughs) your upbringing was it particularly religious or was it particularly sheltered because she was a nurse or did that make her less well, Children. it's like, no, I mean, you know, the thing like the cobbler's children have no shoes. Like, right. I could have cut my arm off and she'd be like, you'll be fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I really feel like I'm in a lot of pain right now. There no, was a lot no. of, just, no, you're it's okay. Not, it's like you're a okay. Yeah, yeah it's no, it's not, fine. It's not real. Um, if you want to go, just go to the ER. Just go to the hospital and go to the ER. I'll call <laughs> but him. But you're a nurse. I know. I'm like, I'll call him and tell him you're on the way. I'm like, I, I'd rather you take me, weirdly. Um, but uh, she, yes, very religious still to this day. My parents are very religious, but they're more more like Christian than Catholic now mm-hmm. and then the nursing thing uh, you know she just she always influenced me more like like to be a person who is good at business like she's really smart and she was always really driven and she could never ever stop like ever stop like she's always going to school she's always like the opioid crisis came up and she's like been taking classes at a local community college about like drugs and rehabilitation oh and she's just like curious about like why this is happening and like what can be done I mean you know it's interesting so she didn't feel like she wanted to nurse anymore so then she started 
um, working for those companies that hire you to like take care of your older, your aging parent, mm-hmm. you know? So she's like kind of like a old person babysitter. Yep. But because she was in her 60s and 70s doing it, like they all loved her because it wasn't like some young kid coming in and just like sitting and texting. You know what I mean? Right. Like she's like watching Wheel of Fortune with them in Jeopardy. <laughs> and like, yeah. Like That's this, really sweet. Yeah. And, and then, of course, like her being a nurse is nice for them because they feel like safe. Like if something does happen. Like, right. But, uh, yeah, she is always trying to keep uh, her mind really sharp, which I have been inspired by. And and because <clears throat> it sounds like your parents do have a sense of humor. So are, mm-hmm. there, have you been in anything that you've been like, you know, maybe you don't need to watch this one? Oh, yeah. They don't like to watch anything where I show my boobs, which sure. I can't really blame them. Um, so they haven't seen uh, – yeah, they don't watch that. They don't watch Kidding, which um, I'm on currently shooting. Right. I'm really super proud of it. <laughs> Definitely don't watch that one, guys. Um, <laughs> definitely like basically like anything i genuinely love like that i like like i'm so proud of some things they just don't like really want anything to see. that plays a little too dark anything dark or yeah and then they don't watch archer which we're like about to do our 11 season that's of that. an- unbelievable i know it's so crazy and they don't get it which i understand like it's not right but they have like a giant like from the movie theater poster framed in their living room of marmaduke which <laughs> like not one of my favorite movies I've ever been in. Not the one that I say. Although if my husband's with me and someone's like, what do I know you from? He's always like, Marmaduke. And I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, ah, he, he will never not say Marmaduke. Anyone said, oh yeah, that's it. No. No one. No one. My dry cleaner's son liked it for a minute. So I brought in the DVD they send you when you're in a movie. And they're like, here's your DVD that's in your contract that they have to give you. I'm like, whoever was like, don't forget to send me my DVD, guys. Hey, where's that Marmaduke DVD? It's in the contract, guys. You have not sent it yet. You're you're here with my lawyer. And they get, then they, the lawyer shows up. And it's a whole. You spend a hundred thousand yeah. dollars in legal to fees to get my free DVD, to get your free DVD so that I can send it to my parents. <laughs> like, well, now they have Netflix. I know they, they do. So you know I what? Probably don't even have Marmaduke on Netflix. It all comes back around. It's it totally really fine. Does. I watched Driven last night, by the oh way. Oh my god! And it's yes. fucking great. Isn't it great? And you're great in it. Oh, thank you. It's a. It's really. And it was funny. My wife and I were watching. She was like, "Oh my god! I I recently watched the John DeLorean documentary." <gasps> Ooh, yeah. And she said, you have to... And I, I mean, I was somewhat... I mean, I'm somewhat familiar with the story. I know it's a famous entrapment case, but I didn't... Yes. I don't think I realized how fucked up it was. To, but but my question is, obviously without talking specifics, so no spoilers are given away, how much, um, how much story uh, liberty did they take? Because there's stuff that happens in the movie where like... Oh, did that happen or was that just like a thing that they wrote in as a clever... It's hard to know because my character and Sudeikis' character and our kids went into witness protection And no one has ever heard from them again. into thin air. Yeah. Like, totally. And there was nothing. There was no... I mean, they tried. There was nothing. Like, no way to find them. No way to get information from them. Like, nothing. Um, So it's hard to know. Like, what... Like, they... The, the screenwriter, you know, like, put together the facts, wrote the screenplay. They tried to 
I mean, maybe when it comes out, they'll be like, guys. <laughs> but um, no, it was hard to really find out. So we can't, like, we can, like, facts-wise, but, you know, some things were, some liberties were taken. Yeah. But because we could, because there was no one there being like, mm-mm, no, my hair wasn't that long. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> well, there's particularly, like, the way that the movie ends Yeah. is, is a, and again, I don't want to get into it because yeah. I don't want people to. I was like. Uh, it did that. I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows? I know. It's cool. It was. It was like, yeah. There's. I. I was really excited when I read that script, and also that they often don't write like the wife character very well. You might not know that. I don't. <laughs> no one. No one ever talks about it these days. You about should talk how, about it. How underwritten female characters are. Like, but this one was so great, and I thought she was so strong and so interesting, and I liked that. Like, she was smart. She knew what was going on, and she knew what to like ask questions about and what not to ask questions about. Right. But she was like at the end of the day, like a stand by her man kind of lady. Like, and I really liked it. I thought she was cool. And I thought that the story was really sexy and really fun. And like, I grew up loving DeLoreans. I mean, I don't know. I just thought they were like aspirational. Like maybe that's what our Teslas are today. Although I don't know, there's just something about the DeLorean and there's a line he has in the movie. Um, where he says it's not a car, it's a DeLorean. And I'm right. like, it isn't. It's a DeLorean. And even last week driving, I was like stopped at the intersection at like Sunset and Vine. And there was a DeLorean at the intersection and people were taking pictures of it. Like yeah. to this day, like it's a thing. Because of Back to the Future. And, yeah. And he, uh, I was reading that DeLorean actually sent Bob Gale a note and thanked him for, because, you know. Otherwise, yes. Yeah, because he... You know, his, I mean, I don't know what his day to day life was like, but I know that he defended himself successfully against like 40 lawsuits. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'm sure that was a nice, <laughs> that would yeah. have been a nice boost for him in yeah. 1985 after having, you know, yeah, his gone through everything. Yeah, torn like, apart. Yeah. But the DeLorean to me is kind of an interesting metaphor for life because <laughs> it's such a cool looking car. It's like, the coolest people and things tend to be the most fuck. The coolest looking yeah. things tend to be the most fucked up inside. Yes, yeah. Because I did um, the Jay Leno Garage show and oh, we yes. did a DeLorean. We drove the DeLorean. They're not. They don't like. Great. I couldn't get the car into reverse. He actually had to get out of the car and push, push it. you. Yeah, because it was. I could not. I mean, I'm going to just defend the car right now it's and a, say that you know they didn't really have an opportunity to like no, work on all the no, like. No, you're like, right. Troubleshoot. Mm -hmm, yeah. So I think that's why when we see our DeLoreans and if we ever get a chance to drive one, we're like, this isn't that great. But he never got a chance to go in and. He fix didn't, it. and also they're very old at this they're point so too. They're so old, and it's yeah. not like you can get replacement parts everywhere. No, <laughs> no, no. I stand by that car i'm sure there are landfills in in north in ireland yes, oh it's a carburetor okay good yes, i need this yeah totally i need this that. yeah but it is a, it is a fun story and uh i mean it's a fun fucked up story mm -hmm. but the movie's great because it there is it it rides this line between like fun and it's almost comedic in places but at the same time it, this is like the undertone is just it's just really messed up the yeah. whole thing is really messed up and I do think it's interesting that you, you and Sudeikis' characters are really it's kind of like um, I don't want to say like a questionable protagonist but they're protagonists like you do yeah. feel for them and you do empathize with them 
but it's just again it's hard to know because in the in the the real story was that guy empathetic to the delorean plight in any way he did have a criminal record it was sort of weird or i think the casting of jason was so smart because he is so like you do love him and you do feel for him and you do see him as like an everyday guy in this role and like and so it if you cast someone who is more arch like an actor who like isn't so likable right i think that you would feel differently, you know? Like, you would think, like, this guy is kind of a dick and he's kind of, like, just out for himself. Yeah. But I do feel like he and Lee Pace, who plays John DeLorean, like, I feel like they have a real connection and they have real chemistry on screen. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself watching it for the first time when I saw it, like, more confused than when we were shooting the movie because now I'm watching the story all put together and I'm like, why would you do that to your friend? But this guy is, like, you know... then it's also him and his family at the end of the day. Right. Like, what are you really going to do? Right. And and it's interesting that he, like, ends up, like, yeah, turning on his friend. and But, like, he has no choice. I don't know. It all seemed really – it made more sense, like, all put together because sometimes I'm like, are we just using them? But, but there's this great speech Jason has in the movie about, like, he's got so much. Like, they have so much. Mm-hmm. And you feel that angst and it's weirdly kind of like timely right now where we're talking about like the middle class disappearing and just like, you know, everything that's going on politically right now in our country and like it's getting just more and more divided and you can see that like feeling of frustration of like, why do I have to look at that? Mm -hmm. Like why that? Why do they get that? And I don't get that. Right. And in this case, he had to turn him in. He had to like squeal on him in order to get his family out. But right. like at the same time, you know, and honestly, like hiding from that cocaine dealer, not really hiding from like DeLorean, but like all this stuff. It's like, I don't know, it kind of works right now. And I felt the frustration when I watched that scene in the movie, like of him just feeling so like, I mean, look, he's not like doing things legal and not making it, but you can see that frustration and like that people feel that way. Yeah, and also, uh, first of all, Michael Cudlitz, former mm. Walking Dead's Michael Cudlitz. An actor you probably hate since you hate the show and, <laughs> and sabotaged the last three seasons of it. <laughs> that must have been hard for you to watch. It's really hard for me to watch. I was like, I tried as part of Talking Dead to take this show and here he is being great in a movie. What the fuck yeah, do I need to no, do? Not what I signed up for. Not at all. <laughs> Even though they've started airing our show after another show in between Walking Dead and Talking Dead, I still... What the fuck does a guy need to do? God damn it, Cudlitz. I mean, he's so good at He's amazing. Movie. He's amazing in it. I know. But it's... I, I Listen, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I almost see a parallel. Like, Jason's character is in a way, almost um, a DeLorean. Like, he's this kind of, like, he's got this really cool exterior, but inside he's just conflict and fucked up and broken and doing the best he can, but still just can't seem to... But but your character even says to him, like, there's always, like, one more thing. There's always a promise. You're always making promises. And he really, like... They do really do, in the movie at least, have the best intentions and yes. just can't seem to... Can't get it right. Can't can't get it right. And how, I mean, like, we all know one or more people like that. You're like, why? Why didn't you just take that job? Right. Or like, why did you quit that job? Like, I know that you didn't like working at the deli counter. I always think of the wrestler. And like, remember how he's like doing so good? And he's like <laughs> cutting the meat at the meat counter and that like... And he just like blows up and he like... 
people like just can't get on track sometimes. I can't. It's hard for me to watch stuff like that because I just I know. feel the. I just feel the no. I know. It was like, fun. Like you were gonna be okay. Like why did you do it? Yeah, and this isn't a big spoiler because I'm sure maybe this is probably something that people know. But even when even before Delorean goes into the trap. And he gets yeah. a call, and they're like, okay, we've raised we the... We figured it out. And he's Come like, home. no, but then I won't own it, so I don't want... And you're like, no. yeah! Yeah, I know. You don't... It's like that... And that's that not a spoiler, because that's history, guys. That's, that's That happened. Um, it's... Yeah, I know. It's so frustrating watching people, like, throw away, like, the opportunity to, like, do the right thing. I know, but don't you feel like we get so focused and obsessed for the wrong things? And these are usually ego-based things. Mm-hmm. That... It because they're very seductive. Mm-hmm. Um, because the ego needs its you know its a certain amount of stroking and stoking, and that you know how do we how do we know when we're about to make a bad ego decision? We have to make a movie about it and then see what the audience says. <laughs> I, know. I don't know. I mean, how? I don't know. I I don't think this necessarily ties in, but do you know those, like, crazy people that always have crazy things happen to them? And you're like, how could so many crazy things happen to one person? Yeah. And then you realize when you get older, like, oh, because that's a crazy person. Right, right, right. And, like, crazy things happen to crazy people. Well, it does. I mean, I do think... Obviously, some things can just blindside people. Yeah. A medical diagnosis yes, or someone yes. dies or they get fired out of thin air or whatever. Yes. But I do think more than most people are willing to realize that, you know, like when uh, crazy things happen, it's like people do make some micro choices throughout yes, the day yes. that they may not even realize because <laughs> like, they're sort of... On, micro choices yeah, throughout the day. They're just sort of on autopilot. Can that be a new podcast? <laughs> <laughs> micro choices throughout the day. <laughs> it's a short episode. It's a very short. <laughs> you're just like micro choices. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. That leads you to the thing where yeah. you're like, your ego won't let you say no or like yeah. pride or something. It's yeah. like... I don't know. I wasn't raised that way, but I know people who are like that, and it's just so frustrating to watch them like over and over. And are you like, still doing? Do you still do TM? Yes, it's I did the it best. this morning. I know, me too. It's the best. I'm on a. I'm trying to get. I. I. I was not awesome at it for a minute, and mm-hmm. then I've been working on Kidding, this show I do on Showtime, and my co-star Justin Kirk does it, and he's been like religious twice a day, and I was like, okay, that's like you know you just like need to like run into that person. Yes. Um, no, it's so great, but I think if you do TM, that you would not probably sell out your friend in a big cocaine deal. <laughs> That's just to tie it all together. I feel like most people who meditate, who do transcendental meditation, like aren't, you know, like setting up people to fail. But maybe they're wrong. Maybe they do. I don't know. Who who knows? Maybe they're just like cooler about it. Well, I do. But I do think it does like in its perfect form, it should give you a little bit of space. Mm-hmm. A little bit of space from the ego, yeah, and then yeah. you're not necessarily chasing all that stuff. But I do think, particularly in this family's case, yes, it's the people who. It's sort of like when you're, I don't know, at a blackjack table or whatever, and you're like, "Fuck, I've you know, I've had like five losing hands in a row. It's bound to turn around." And then you start like you start like doubling your losses to try to make back. And then at a certain point, the margin between. Yes. Then it's just like, oh, you, there's you, no way now. Yeah. Exponentially, there's yeah. just too much space in between these two I'm things. I'm so glad I never got into gambling. Your story, this is stressing me out so much. <laughs> like, the idea <laughs> of what you're talking about. Oh, no, I hate so, gambling. Oh, I hate God, it. it seems so awful. Yeah, I, I realized. Having to count so quickly on oh, top no. of it. 
I, you know, the years and years and years ago when I quit drinking and I went back to Vegas and played some blackjack, I was like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Because I became acutely aware of every beat of it. And, like, I just lost $400 that I didn't yeah. need to lose. Yeah. That didn't feel and good at all. so fast. Yeah, so fast. So fast. I know. I could see totally wanting to get it back. Ugh. But no. that's, but I think at a certain point it is sort of good to, like, well, all right, let's just try a new thing. Cut the losses, yeah. not keep, you know, pounding our heads. But where do you think the dividing line between, you know, persistence and then also, like, recognizing that you might need to take a new path is? I don't know. I mean, like, not to be too hippy-dippy, but I think that's where meditation is really helpful. I remember, like, reading Susie Orman's book. She wrote uh, – she had this book where – or she was talking about um, – the the housing market in 2008 when like everything went to shit and like people just like tried more than anything to hang on to their house it's like mm-hmm. that's all they wanted was to hang on to their house and she gave advice she was like don't hang on to your house get rid of your house start <laughs> over get an apartment you don't need a house mm-hmm. and i remember hearing that thinking like but that's the american dream is to own your house and if you're gonna lose your house like you'll do anything to keep your house it's right. like people became so house poor and so crazy over keeping their house right and I think about that sometimes because I'm like, yeah, at some point you have to just cut your losses. You have to just say like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Like I'm done fighting for this thing and like I'm going to now go do this other thing. I don't know when you decide to do that. But like I think that's when you meditate, you kind of like stuff starts to become like a little bit clearer. Or at yeah. least you can like slow down in a moment and be like, this is not serving me. Well, you know, and I think it's also hard too because when people feel like something's being taken away from them, yeah. then they feel like they're not in control. So they try to do the only thing they can to sort of feel like they're still in control of something, which is like, hold on to this thing, yeah. hold on to this idea, or hold on to this house or yeah. whatever it is. Even when it's a fucking anchor. <laughs> yeah. I remember working also with a writer once who told me he had so many friends that were trying. This was years and years ago. He had so many friends that were trying to be actors, like we all do. Um, and he said the worst thing that can ever happen with his friends, this kind of broke my heart, but I also understood where he was coming from, was when they get those like guest starring roles. Mm-hmm. And like they would work like once a year, like guesting on some television show and then it would like reinvigorate like their commitment to and he's like i've seen people like years and years and years they've like stayed in this business like trying to be actors thinking that like that can get them like oh but i guessed it on this thing so now like i'm not gonna give up i'm gonna keep doing it and he's like it's so hard to watch like all the years go by and that's it and like at what point with with any career like do you say like nope i am well i think it just depends on what you want out of it you know what i mean and how happy you are yes exactly i mean if you you know if if the pursuit of that if you're sacrificing joy relationships happiness yeah kind of like an addiction it's like getting in the way of like your life yeah then I don't know. But if you can do it and have a healthy, and it's like with anything, if you can do it and have a healthy balance with it where it's like, I love doing this thing, I'm passionate mm-hmm. about it, I, you know, I'm still going to figure out a way to do it, mm-hmm. and the pursuit of it, the process of it, still brings you joy, then I think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't, you know, like working on 100 things a year, one thing a year, is that's kind of like results-oriented. It's like mm-hmm. it may not, if, if the person is still happy in mm-hmm. the process, then it's worth it. But yeah. if they're like, if they're, like, t- doing it at the expense of the rest of their life, then yeah. maybe it's like, okay, maybe kind of with holding on to a house. And it's maybe so hard we should... to see from the outside, too. And it you is. Know, like, unless you're inside of it. Let's talk about more funny stuff. It's getting sad. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know 20,000 people a year die every day? Wait, what? <laughs> Catholic Church is in the housing crisis of 2008. 
<laughs> failing careers in the arts. That is where comedy comes from. Comedy comes from tragedy. <laughs> the mask. I have from the darkness. tattoo on my hip. Just yeah. kidding. I don't. But so many people do. So what are you working on now that you're super excited about besides uh, kidding? Is kidding kind of taking up the line share of your time? Kidding is my summer. That's what I'm doing and I still love it and it's so great and like uh, we're doing such crazy things this season. Um, we had Ariana Grande on our episode and like She's really funny by the way. She's so good and, yeah. her, and like like watching her sing and like you're like uh, like it's sort of breathtaking. That was cool, but also just like the scripts have been so amazing and so out there, and I love that. And I'm really excited for Driven to come out because we have, you know, like another exciting, fun, happy topic is Hurricane Maria, and um, <laughs> so, so also um, I'm really happy for this movie because I think the movie kicks ass, but also because we shot it like right after the hurricane. So mm-hmm. like a lot of us were I mean none of us took days off like if we weren't working we were like out like volunteering and like that's like really nice packing boxes I went out like with this um, organization called the International Medical Corps which is a fucking amazing organization they like like our ninjas they come in like immediately into natural disasters and war zones and they and they are still in Puerto Rico now and they 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 hand out food they they're now helping a lot in Puerto Rico with um, mental mental wellness because a lot of people are having like a lot of PTSD. Of course they are. Obviously. So, um, but they come in, they help with like medicine, water, food. So I was like rolling around with them a little bit. And then I helped to rescue some dogs while I was there with the, Puerto Rico dog fund. They that's a feel good happy thing. Was, it was good, except for like I was able to get this one. We there were these cargo planes that were coming in with supplies and then leaving. Obviously, so we would just try to get as many dogs as we could on these planes back to the states and. Um, at the time because of the hurricane like my husband couldn't come visit me on the movie and then he got like salty because I was able to like get dogs I could buy him a ticket to Puerto Rico but there were no tickets out of Puerto Rico so I was like I'm sorry babe like you can't come visit on this one and he's like you're getting dogs on airplanes and like you can't get me on an airplane and I'm like no I can't do you dress up like a dog I I can get you out of here go into a kennel for (laughs) the flight to Miami I guess (laughs) I know but that was cool then a bunch of us like went and packed boxes they were like helicoptering down food and supplies like into the mountains and so we were packing boxes of that stuff and like we all found stuff to do on our days off while we were there which was really cool and another reason I'm so in love with this movie because so much more than just like making the movie it felt like it took on a whole other life once you know the hurricane happened and it was like we you know were able to keep people working we were like doing their laundry we were like giving them like tara summers who's in the movie with us she brought like like three thousand of these like solar powered lamps that no people didn't have power they didn't have gas like it was crazy it was a really it was something i'll 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 hopefully never forget yeah because then i imagine in those moments and you're like oh yeah i guess I guess I live in kind of a wonderland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From day to day. I'm hungry. Let's Postmates creation. Like, like. What do you mean they don't have that salmon dish anymore? Oh, my God. At Newsroom? Like, that was so good. Like, yeah. I was like. I know you guys are having a rough time, but I get it. Because when the newsroom shut down, they changed their menu. I don't even think you understand. Awful. Like, I mean, it's awful. Do you know how long it took my Lyft to come and pick me up yesterday? Like three minutes. And I hate how when you're touching the app, it like tells you it's two minutes away, but really it's like six minutes away when you actually confirm the pickup. Like that's bullshit. 
Like, it shouldn't tell you it's three minutes if it's not three minutes. Take a lamp. Guys. <laughs> Guys. Do you want a lamp? <laughs> I mean. It's almost not a bit. I know. Like it's, it's, like, it's really close to not being a bit. It's real close to not being a bit around this area sometimes. I know. But I think that's why it's important to just see what real life is like. Mm-hmm. and And get out of this bizarre facade hall of mirrors it really is so it's one of the things i love about what what we do is going like travel it like going away like i argue always to keep production in los angeles because i want everyone here to like have jobs and like we are an industry town that then often doesn't make our own product Mm -hmm. but there is something so great about getting out of los angeles and new york too uh where you get to like live where people live and see what like the world is really like and like what people are like and stand in line and all those things like it's good for us it's good it makes your character stronger it makes your choices more interesting and it just gives you like more to draw on as an artist i think right like well yeah because again this business more than most businesses is all just stoking the ego you know, know because we're we're trying so hard to figure out if we're doing a good job or successful or getting the attention how to many fill likes, a hole yeah how many likes and so it's it's so important to remember, like, that's not, that doesn't, you know, my wife was uh, an ambassador for Operation Smile, and she would go on oh, missions, and, and they would do, you know, and, and she's, it's been a few years, and she, she's been saying to me pretty regularly, she was like, I, I need to yeah. go, yeah. you know, we need to go do this, we yeah. need to, like, my soul needs to go do this, yeah. and... And she's right, and it's 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 vital because the stuff we get to do is is it it you know yes it's important to entertain people and it's fun you know but it's not like life life right. stuff that most people are, I know. are dealing with. I know it's really nothing at all like what most people are dealing with. I feel like it's so great. I love Operation Smile. It's yeah. so awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it's pretty like, great. It's such a. I mean, that's such a gift. Like people. Don't under like I don't even know if you understand like like what it's like to be born that way and have like no one take it seriously or give you the help that you need because they can't afford it. Like, and there is and, something that they can do about it. Yeah, there is. Like, and it's if you have the right person, there's not that difficult. Like, right. it can be fixed. It's and like, literally life changing. Life changing. I mean, even just like food not going like right. like it's crazy. I, right. I mean, I I went. I went to a luncheon, <laughs> so I'm pretty well versed in. <laughs> you know all the, you know the score. I'm pretty into it. Yeah. So anyway, that's awesome. She does that. Um, and also, by the way, uh, I just remember the first time I met you was at Real Time, probably like five yes. years ago. And I didn't realize that your husband was a producer on the show. He still is, yeah. Fantastic. He's in it to win it. Yeah, he's <laughs> he is still there, and uh, yeah, it's so cool. Well, I you don't... were very nice to me at the time. I mean, like, I, and I'm always surprised that I, I whatever. That was a mistake. <laughs> I should never. I should Can I take that back? I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna take that back. I didn't mean to. I, mean I thought that. you were someone else. <laughs> I thought you were Charlie Day. <laughs> 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 you thought I was Anne Hage. <laughs> we, we had the best conversation. Charlie Day and Anne Hage had the best conversation that uh, night at real time. <laughs> we, just for fun, we should post videos and then just 
tag it as Charlie Day and Anne yeah. having conversations and then just never let and just never acknowledge yeah. that we're not them. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay because I thought you were. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you, do you ever just go along with it? Yes, I'm. I'm in. Oh, one time, yes, I had. I was in a furniture store and and I was. Um, this man came up to me and he was crying. And he was, this was years ago, but he said, like, I, I have to just, I'm so sorry. I'm so emotional. Your performance in the movie Magnolia changed my life. Changed my <laughs> oh, life. Oh, no. He's so emotionally he vulnerable. Was, what are you supposed to do? You say thank you. Yeah, of And course. you usher him out of the store and hope he doesn't give you a better look. Because I think he thinks I was Melora Walters and... um and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to like be like, no, nah, that wasn't me. <laughs> Get away. That wasn't me. Um, what an ass. <laughs> Here's no, my resume. Yeah, Do you see yeah, the word no. Magnolia? Just I go mean, to IMDb. I'd love to work with him, but no. Yeah, no, I was just like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. That's so sweet. Thank That's the one you. time where you, yeah, yeah, you really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. wanted to let him have that. Well, I might give her. What are you doing in, like, what is something in, as we're sort of winding this down, what do you... What's something you're particularly joyful about? Like, where do you fight? Like, what do you do to sort of, besides TM, what do you do for joy? Or is there a place you go or something you read or something you uh, do? Well, I love knitting. Nice. <laughs> Nice. I'm a, um, I love knitting, and I started a knitting group, and so we knit together when we all can, and that's really fun. Um, I don't know. I really like it. I, I was knitting these hats. There's this um, Lion Brand Yarn started this, like, hat not hate campaign where they're, like, teaming up with uh, Box Out Bullying, I believe it is, and then, like, October is anti-bullying month, so this bullying organization or anti this this pro bullying <laughs> it's not pro bowling. Yeah, this pro i thought it was pro bowling wait what um what no, was all this knitting yeah. we knit these blue hats and then we're passing them out i mean i'm not personally going to pass the hats them out. say target yeah. the week yeah. i don't it's a weird <laughs> pull it over your eyes and you won't see it coming um it won't be as scary uh yeah the hats are are going to be passed out during like assemblies and schools oh that's and nice stuff, like during like this anti-bullying month so i've been trying to do that which makes me happy um but I've been knitting a lot of blue hats, and mm-hmm. I'm ready to like not knit a blue hat. Can I? Can I make a request? Yes. Would you? Because you know, you can see that the mic stands. You know, they leave these kind of circles. You like the thing. some little doilies? Well, a doily, or can you? Can you knit? Can you knit me like a like a, a, a knitted almost like cover for this? Like a koozie? Like yes. A, like a okay. I mean, I don't know. I Listen, I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to assign you a task, but if you but if you wanted to. I would pay handsomely for it and be forever in your debt. Cause I, I will think... have my lawyer reach out to your lawyer about a fee. <laughs> it takes a year and a half to do all the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. They'll Why is the 10%. term in perpetuity and <laughs> we're just trying to... <laughs> a fucking doily. No, it's not. It's not. It's actually different. It's and my art. Not... It's my art. It's my and... fucking art. Okay, I think I can, I think I can figure out the measurements here. <clears throat> Yeah, that's fantastic. Super high tech. No one knows what I'm doing, but I'm using. She's my measuring finger. with her finger. She's because actually. <laughs> uh, Why the... is that so dumb? <laughs> She's measuring with her finger. <laughs> Hi, I'm 15 years old. But it works because the the yeah. the radius of this is about a finger length, and yeah. the yes. depth of it is almost like fingernail. Yeah, so it's like up. Oh, to it's my up knuckle. to the to the first little knuckle there. Yeah. Yeah, there fantastic. 
Fantastic. You know, I'm going to cut out the part where we talk about about measuring with my finger, and then just like not, and then have people try to figure out what it is that we're talking about. What are they talking about? What are they doing? And then at the end, we'll reveal we're making doilies. We. Well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you. And I hope the rest of I'm the setting myself up to succeed. <laughs> <laughs> I've done all the things that I could in my power. To all do. your micro choices yeah, are pointing. All- to- <laughs> all my micro choices today are pointing to a awesome. positive result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all going to be good. I hey, you know what? This is a pretty great fucking day. I got to be honest. Kill it today. So far, so awesome. <laughs> so far, so awesome. Also a great day for a podcast. <laughs> it's just all that's so far, so awesome is all of the bad micro choices that yes. you make throughout the day. That's the title. That's I think it. that's the title right there. Well, please tell your husband I said hello. I and Come thank you so much show. for coming. I would love to. And thank you so much for coming on, Judy Greer. Uh, I am a, and have been a massive fan of your work for many, many years. So it was a, it was a, re, it was a real thank pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Judy Greer. Thank you. I totally forgot to talk about this other movie I have. Talk about it. The mics are still on. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, I have Where'd You Go, Bernadette? I'm in. Oh, yes. That's coming out also on Friday. Um, I play a smaller supporting role, which I'm proud of. A lot of days to go antiquing in Pittsburgh. Fantastic. Well, I shot that movie. Um, But I was excited about this because I love the book so much, as so many people did. But I actually, like, wrote an email to Richard Linklater and was like, can I be in this movie because you're directing it? And I love the book. And he was like, yeah, totally. The only role I have left is the therapist. I'm like, I'll take it. And that works? You can just email the... It only works with Richard Linklater. Okay, gotcha, 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 so gotcha. I can give you all his email address. Shoot him a note. Yeah. He'll, he's going to cast everyone. Uh, totally lo- lots of role. roles. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Fuck, <laughs> he's going to wake up one day and go, I know. What the fuck? Who fu-? did this? Or he'll go, Judy, this was the best thing that's ever happened. I've discovered so much new talent. Turn your frown upside down, man. <laughs> so far, so, so far, awesome. So far, so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me talk about that. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Great. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow. Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That was the ID10T podcast number 1015. It is time for some word salad rap. Um, let's talk about stuff. I don't mean stuff like in the general sense. I mean like stuff like stuff, like physical stuff. Um, uh, I saw a pretty great quote today. I think it might have been on the stoicism subreddit but it was he has the most who is content with the least which is attributed to diogenes i probably should have looked that up <laughs> i'm sure that's right <laughs> i'm sure it's right i hope it's right it sounds like it might be right but it is on the uh, stoicism subreddit and it really struck a chord with me because Listen, if you listen to this podcast, it's a good chance you might be a collector. You know I'm a collector. You know I collect a lot of stuff. You know I have a lot of stuff. Stuff is fun to collect. And it's not even about the having. It's sort of the pursuit of it. You know, I post these Instagram stories all the time of going antiquing because it is my favorite thing to do 
when I go into a new city besides finding the local donuts. But um, uh, I just love it because the antiques have such a, there's a story behind them. They, you know, they're, they're usually uh, very well crafted. They've been around for a long time and I just like amassing them. You know, in addition to we collect Disney props and horror props and animation cells and things like that. And I always feel like, well, it's, it's not that I'm, you know, trying to define myself by these things or plant myself on them forever. I feel like I'm curating these things for a period in this time stream. And then eventually when I'm not here anymore, they will be scattered back out and hopefully other people will curate them for a time and, and care for them. Um, and so I do understand the idea of accumulating stuff. But I also think there's a danger with being um, imprisoned by your stuff and weighed down by your stuff. And I often think of the junk lady from Labyrinth, um, who is the the character who essentially um, encounters Sarah while while wandering in all of the rubbish and everything, and then they go into her room. Uh, and like into a replica of a room, and the drunk lady, drunk, <laughs> the junk lady starts um, piling all of her stuff on her, and then she like basically shrugs it all off and then runs. But I think it's such an interesting metaphor for being too weighed down by stuff, and so it's fun to have stuff. But would you be okay without it? You know, um, would you be okay if you didn't have your stuff anymore? Does it define you so much that you are imprisoned by it and essentially? doing things not out of the joy anymore, but just to keep your stuff or acquire more stuff. Because that's when I feel like it doesn't stay fun. Um, The fun part is the acquiring. The fun part is in the admiring of it or, you know, it's okay to kind of show it off a little bit, you know, and have a little bit of pride. Oh, look, I've collected all of these things around a theme. (laughs) Mildly separates us from animals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that we most animals don't necessarily collect a bunch of things around a theme. Some of them do, but most don't. And uh, that's one of the things that makes us human is that we can hunt and gather things <laughs> and put them put like things together on a shelf. But you know, if you didn't have those things anymore, would you still be okay? So it's finding that balance between collecting, enjoying stuff, but then also not feeling like. Uh, it's everything in the world. And the Stoics, I feel like, are kind of divided on this issue because many famous Stoics either had nothing or had everything. And there's some, a little bit debate, like, well, you can't have stuff if you want to be... And I don't think that's... I, I personally don't believe that that's true. I believe, like, it's okay to have stuff as long as it doesn't define you. Um, and so I just want to make sure that you're still you without your stuff. Because I do believe the Diogenes quote, I do believe the idea that if you, if for whatever reason you didn't have anything anymore, would you still be okay? And the answer is, yeah, you you would be and you could be. And someday you could acquire more stuff if you needed to or wanted to. Um, I just know a lot of people who, as they get older, tend to go, like either tend to free themselves of a lot of their stuff, get rid of it, give it away, have a garage sale, donate it or whatever, and feel sort of free. And I do think that's sort of one of the the idea behind um, the KonMari method, Marie Kondo's, you know, does this thing bring you joy? And But ultimately, are you the thing that brings you joy? And if you're the thing that brings you joy, then the stuff can be fluid. You know, you can enjoy it for periods of time, but it doesn't have to be permanent because nothing's permanent. So, 
curate your stuff while you have it, find your joy in you. I know that's easier said than done, but at least it's something to think about and be aware of. And, uh, and still enjoy collecting stuff in the process, you know? Still enjoy it as, as an accomplishment or, you know, you can, you can have it as a, as a small point of pride. But just, you know, again, doesn't have to mean everything. Uh, but you know what? You mean everything to me. And I appreciate you for listening to this because if you didn't, then I wouldn't have a podcast. So thank you. And uh, I will see you in your ears very soon. And uh, some shows coming up in D.C. and Chicago, some other shows in the fall. So check out ID10T.com slash tour. Uh, and thanks. All right. ID Tenti scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, Call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.